Thank you very much. Before I dig into the uh, teaching here, I just want to make one announcement. August 2nd, which is a Friday night, we are going to have a Celebrate Recovery outreach here in Muncie. It is for everybody. We are not going to be doing Celebrate Recovery that night. We are just going to have stuff set up and make it known that there's a program in the community that can help you with all kinds of hurts and hang-ups and habits. Because here's the problem that we've had with Celebrate Recovery. There's a stigma that it's just for alcohol and drugs, and that's not the case. And we want it to be known um, that it's a program that everybody can benefit from. If, If there's a hurt in your life, whether it's anger, whether it's grief, whether it's finances, Celebrate Recovery is a place that you can come and just start working on things and find freedom from that. So we are going to have free food. We're going to be cooking out. There's going to be a band playing. So bring your kids. Just uh, just have fun. I mean, maybe it could be the first step in a lot of people being able to uh, find some healing in their life. So Now speaking of healing, did everyone get one of these tongue depressors when they came in? We're all familiar with these, right? We've all been to the doctor before, and he or she has asked us to open wide and say, ah, they're looking inside of our mouths as we're choking, and they're checking to see if everything looks fine, everything looks good in there. It's the same thing with the dentist. They're diagnosing when they're looking in there. They look inside of our mouths to see if we have any cavities, any Uh, gum disease, gingivitis, maybe early signs of mouth cancer. And if they find anything abnormal, they let us know that something is not right. The key verse that we are going to be focusing on today is James 3, verse 10. It's our memory verse of the day, like we've been doing every week for a while now. It says, Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. So like a skillful physician, James tries to help diagnose how out of the mouth can come words of praise. And out of that same mouth can come words of cursing. So out of the same mouth can come good words and damaging words. Words that build and words that tear down. All this from the same mouth. I mean, words are powerful. They really are. Words are powerful. You know, it's been estimated that the average person says 18,000 words per day. 18,000. That's like writing a 54-page book every single day with your words. And I know that there's probably some high achievers in this church who could probably even push that mark up a little bit more. Maybe stretch toward the 30,000 mark. And it's true that some words just take seconds to say. But the pain and the damage of those words can take years to heal. And some people in here They know what it's like. They know what it's like to hang on to things that were said at some point in their lives. And it's still as fresh to you right now as the day that it was spoken. You know, the people that James 
was writing to must have had some serious problems controlling their mouths. Because this is a repeated theme all throughout this letter. I mean, he pleads in James 1 verse 9, or 1 verse 19, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. He warns in James 1 verse 26, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. He asks in James 4 verse 1, what causes fights and quarrels among you? He urges them in James 4 verse 11, brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. And here in our text, in James chapter 3, it's, just, it's like James, like a good doctor. He's saying, open up. Let's see what your tongue tells us about you. Let's see what it tells us about the condition of your soul. Let's see what it tells us about your character. I mean, why does James spend so much time on this? It's your first fill-in. Because the words that come out of our mouths tell the spiritual condition of our hearts and tell about our character. The words that come out of our mouths tell the spiritual condition of our hearts and tell about our character. You know, James writes in chapter 3, verse 1, Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers and sisters, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. So James warns us not to be too quick to take the role of a person who teaches about spiritual things. Because you're going to be judged more strictly. So I just want to thank Pastor Chris for allowing me to teach and be judged a tad bit more strictly. Makes me want to just kind of pick up the guitar, play a pretty little song, close in prayer, head over to MCL Cafeteria. These really are dawning words in that verse. I mean, a teacher places himself or herself in greater danger of judgment because the main tool in their arsenal is the tongue. And the tongue is the part of the body that's most difficult to control. James 3 verse 2 says, We all stumble in many ways. Those who are never at fault in what they say are perfect able to keep their whole body in check. Control the mouth, and you can control the body. So this examination of our mouths indicate that we have a problem. We have a problem of, of some sort here. So now we need to take an MRI. Maybe take a deeper look at what's really going on with your tongue. Maybe what that problem really is that's causing you to speak like that. And this is how I kind of think of these next verses, verses 3 through 5 in this chapter. It's kind of an MRI of the tongue. James 3, verse 3 says, When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. So you take a little four or five inch piece of metal, 
and put it in the mouth of a great big strong horse and with that tiny little bit, you can steer that horse where you want it to go. James 3 verse 4. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. So you can have this big, huge ship out on the open sea. It could be fighting the wind and it could be fighting the waves. But with a little rudder, the pilot can maneuver that giant ship anywhere he wants it to go. The third example. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. That's James 3, verse 5. Smokey the Bear's been telling us that stuff for years. Just a spark can devastate thousands of acres. Just a spark. You know, just a spark in a barn started the great Chicago fire of 1871. Just a spark eventually led to the destruction of 17,500 buildings, left 100,000 people homeless, 300 people dead. This was just a spark in a barn. You know, I think the point that James is making with this whole bit and with this rudder and with this spark is how something so small like the tongue can have such sinister power the power to do so much damage. I mean, think about some of the damaging words that might show up in an MRI of your tongue. Something that might show up, write down gossip and slander. Gossip and slander. You know, there's something magnetic about gossip. Man, there's something kind of seductive about slander. That's why people always have this desire for tabloids and this taste for tabloid TV. Slander sells. Proverbs 26, verse 22 says, The words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to the inmost parts. You know, when juicy little bits of information come our way, man, we're fascinated. And we just have to share it. And then those damaging words say something about what is inside of us. You know, James talks about the tongue here because the tongue was the primary vehicle that communicated words in that day. I think if he was writing today... He'd probably have to write about more than just the tongue. He'd have to write about email. He'd have to write about Facebook. He'd have to write about Twitter, about blogs. Because for some reason, from behind a computer screen, people will say things with words that they would never, ever have the guts to say to your face. And then those words get posted for everybody else to read. And it cuts. Slander and gossip happens everywhere. 
It takes place at home. It takes place at work. Slander and gossip happens in church, too. We're just a little more sophisticated about how we slander, about how we gossip in the church. We say things like, hey, you might want to add Ken and Ruby's 17-year-old daughter to your prayer list. Ken and Ruby's daughter? Why? What's up? Oh, you haven't heard? Just be praying for her. I'd like to pray a little more specifically for her, if you know what I mean. (laughs) Well, you're probably going to find out anyways. Eventually, she's uh, pregnant. They think it's the Johnson boy. The Johnson boy, that snake. I'll be praying for them. That's how we do it in the church. You know, another thing that might show up on an MRI of your tongue, write down broken confidences. Broken confidences. You ever told something of significance to a friend in confidence, only to have them repeat it to others, and before long it seems like everybody knows? And it hurts. I mean, some people think a secret is something that you just tell one person at a time. Thank you. (laughs) Proverbs 21, verse 19 says, A gossip betrays a confidence, so avoid anyone who talks too much. I mean, you learn who who you can trust, and you learn who you can't trust. And you have to be careful around some people with what you say. Another thing that might show up, MRI of your tongue. Write down grumbling. Grumbling. And you probably think grumbling? That's not a big deal. Is it? Consider the example of the Israelites in Scripture. God delivered them from slavery from poverty, from forced labor. God gave them a cloud to guide them by day. A pillar of fire to guide them by night. God parted the Red Sea. And then He gave them water to drink from a rock. I mean, you would have thought that they would have been the most grateful people on the planet. But they grumbled and they complained all the time. They complained about the food. They'd say to Moses, back in Egypt, we had all these wonderful, oh, you could eat buffets and now all we get is this manna. This manna that falls from heaven every single night and fills us up. We're sick. We're tired of always eating manna. Sounds a lot like my kids. You know, I'm a married man now, but I was the typical bachelor for many years. And the kids always loved coming over at my house at first and always eating pizza. Always had a freezer full of pizza or frozen pizza. We order pizza. I'd mix it up a little bit. Get Pizza Hut, Pizza King, Pizza Pizza. <laughs> then they'd start grumbling. 
all we ever get is pizza when we come over here, Dad. So then I'd branch out a little bit, put my cooking apron on, pizza rolls, <laughs> pizza French bread, pizza bagels. And then after a while, they'd be grumbling again, complaining again. So then I'd pull out the Bible, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, where the Apostle Paul is reviewing the whole wilderness experience and the whole grumbling. And I'd read it to my kids and I'd say, and do not grumble as some of them did and were killed by the destroying angel. Then my son would be like, killed? Mm, I love this pizza pocket, Daddy. But you know, that verse really does show how serious grumbling is to God. I mean, friends, we are so blessed. We really are. We have so much to be grateful for and thankful for, yet we grumble and we complain all the time about everything. We grumble about our clothes. We grumble about our jobs. We grumble about our cars. We grumble about our spouse. We grumble about our church. And that says something about us because that's revealing something deep down inside of us when we do that. What else may show up on an MRI of your tongue? Write down dishonesty. Dishonesty. And this includes exaggeration. A half-truth is a whole lie. Even if you're just stretching the truth just a little bit. Add profanity. Write that down. Profanity. Would an MRI reveal that of your tongue? Maybe it's expressed in your favorite four-letter words. Maybe it's expressed in the jokes that we tell. Maybe it's the careless use of the holy name of God or the holy name of Jesus Christ. Maybe you've developed a bilingual tongue. And you have one set of words that you use when you're around one group of people and an entirely different set of words when you're around a different group of people. And I know the temptation is for all of us to say, but they're just words. Come on. It's just benign. It's no big deal. And I think James knew that we would be tempted to react that way. And so after the MRI, it's like he says in the next few verses, let's take a biopsy. Let's take a biopsy of your tongue and let's see how benign those words that you're using really are. And I want you to look at the images that James uses to describe our tongues. James 3, verses 6 through 8, the tongue also is a fire. A world of evil among the parts of the body, it corrupts the whole person. It sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by human beings, but no one can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. Wow. James says the uncontrolled tongue is a world of evil. It corrupts the whole person. It sets the course of one's life on fire. Fire set by hell. 
It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. Does that sound like a benign little cyst that can just be easily cut out? Proverbs 18, verse 21 says, The tongue has the power of life and death. It has the power of life and death in a marriage. It has the power of life and death in friendships. It has the power of life and death in a church. James says no one can tame the tongue, at least not in their own strength, at least not in their own power. Apart from the power of God, we can't tame it. To help me illustrate something, I need a couple volunteers up here. Micaiah, you and your brother. I choose volunteers here. You don't actually volunteer. Micaiah, is your... What, I forget your name. Is that? Devin. Devin, yes. Devin. Is Devin uh, stronger than you? Uh, probably so. Devin, what do you think? You're not sure? Have you guys ever seen a movie back in the 80s called Over the Top? Anybody ever see that? Over the Top? Sylvester Stallone? Great movie. This has absolutely nothing to do with that movie, but I was thinking about that as I was preparing everything here. So, What we're going to have, I want to be able to illustrate something for everybody. And uh, this is kind of a feat of strength. It is. I'm not going to lie. You guys may get tired doing it, but I I picked you guys because I figured you're young and healthy and you can do this. I have two tubes of toothpaste. One for you. And Devin, I have one for you. You guys are going to come back here behind so everybody can see. And I'm going to give a countdown, and you guys are going to have a contest. We're going to see who could shoot the toothpaste out of the tube the quickest. And whoever gets it out the quickest wins. Um, Make sure you shoot it right here. (laughs) Okay. I didn't run this past the pastor yet, so I want to make sure I can do it again sometime. And well, maybe we can kind of cheer him on a little bit, you know, get him excited like a sporting event, you know, kind of clap as we do this and just make it a lot of fun. So, so here we go. Three, two, one. All right, we got it here. Micaiah, you are the winner. Let's give Micaiah a hand. That was, that was great. But for Devin, I don't want him to go away thinking that he's not a champion, that he didn't win anything here. So we're having another contest now. And the contest is to take the toothpaste and get it back into the tube the fastest. Okay? Okay, I'm just kidding. Hey, thanks for volunteering, guys. Everybody give them a big hand. Very good sports right there. Now, the point is with all that, and there is a point, that words like this toothpaste are easy to get out, but it's difficult to take back. 
They damage and they hurt and they destroy. They're destructive. They really are. Our words are destructive. Words can set a fire and the smoke damage can linger in relationships for years. James 3 verse 9 says, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. I mean, if you let that sink in for a minute and really think about that, what James is saying is that the tongue that can bless God, the tongue that can worship God, the tongue that can sing to God, the tongue that can praise God, can then turn around and curse or defame or criticize another human being that is made in the same image of that God. A tongue that can use devaluing words about somebody's race, about somebody's ethnicity, somebody's IQ, of the one who is made in the very image of God. That tongue that can do that is in desperate need of medicine. That tongue is in need of aggressive treatment. So what's the problem with that tongue? James 3 verse 11 says, Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? Can you go to a spring and draw fresh water and salt water from it? You can't. What happens when you mix salt water and fresh water together? Does it become fresh? It becomes salty. James 3 verse 12 says, My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? It's not going to happen. Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. So what's inside of you? What's inside of your heart? And what's James' diagnosis of a tongue that can praise God and curse others? James' diagnosis for you and for me is that the heart of the problem is a problem of the heart. The heart of the problem is a problem of the heart. If you have a problem with your tongue, it's more serious than you thought because it is a problem with your heart. It's a problem with your heart. Jesus put it this way in Matthew 12, verse 34. For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So in other words, what comes out of our mouths is an indication of what's really going on in our hearts. What comes out of our mouths is an index of our character. Our tongues give us away. I mean, I can't excuse myself when little words slip out of my mouth by saying, oops, I shouldn't have cussed him out. I may have sworn at God I may have wounded this person. I may have spread a rumor. I may have grumbled a little bit. 
But this was very much out of character for me. I'm not sure where that came from. You can't say that because out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. I can't just write off my careless words as a lack of self-control or just a little slip of the tongue. I have to say that there's something not right inside of me. Something is wrong inside of me for saying that. Show me someone who speaks with critical words and I'll show you someone who's full of bitterness, full of resentment, and even have hate in their hearts. Show me someone who speaks with dishonest words and I'll show you someone who has a deceitful heart. Show me someone who speaks with harsh words and I'll show you someone who's become calloused in their heart. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. The heart of the problem is a problem of the heart. We're not talking about a speech problem. We're talking about a spiritual problem. James is not trying to just get us to act like followers of Jesus. He's not trying to get us to just talk like followers of Jesus. His passion, his desire is that our hearts would absolutely be transformed. That our hearts would be changed by Jesus. There's a big difference here between the two. James wants us to understand that while the tongue has enormous power to do destructive things, it also has the power to bless. The tongue has limitless power to do good. James says that we can praise the Lord with our tongues. That's the highest use of our tongues. We can express words of praise and gratitude and worship to the God who gave us life. To the God who meets our needs. To the God who gave His only Son because He couldn't stand the thought of spending forever without a single one of us who is right now preparing a place for us in eternity that we can't even put into words. It defies description. And I think most of us underestimate what our words really mean to God. The power of our words that we speak. I've been involved in speaking the mighty name of Jesus Christ to cast out evil in somebody's house or somebody's life. I've spoken and it's happened. I've been involved in using the powerful name of Jesus Christ to heal somebody. Words of prayer to heal somebody's situation. Man, don't tell me words ain't powerful. I know they are. We can bless others with our words, with our words of love, with our words of affirmation, with our words of encouragement. We can pick other people up. I mean, I remember the first time somebody said to me, you're a good leader. I remember that. I remember how that made me feel. I remember the first time somebody said, God used you in my life. Man, I remember that. I remember the first time somebody said, well, you obviously work out. Well, they've never said that before. But it would feel good if they did. Jesus said that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So we've had a thorough exam. 
We've been checked out. We've been diagnosed with a heart problem. And like any diagnosis, the doctor tells us how to remedy the problem. So what is our prescription? In Luke 6, verse 45, Jesus says, Good people bring good things out of the good stored up in their hearts. And evil people bring evil things out of the evil stored up in their hearts. Here's your next fill-in. What you take in is what you live out. What you take in is what you live out. What is your heart taking in? What is it taking in? What are you filling up your soul with? I mean, are you watching things that are positive? Are you listening to music that has a positive message? Are you looking at things on your computer late at night when you're all alone that's positive? What are you filling your heart with? Your first prescription for your heart problem is surround yourself with things that are positive. Surround yourself with things that are positive. Are you surrounding yourself with an environment that is positive? Are you surrounding yourself with people that are positive, people that inspire you? If not, change your environment. Change who you're hanging out with because your heart and your soul are too important to be dragged down by negativeness. It is. Second prescription for your heart. Daily spend time with God. Daily spend time with God. Are you spending time with God each day? Or are you just getting one message a week? Here on Sunday, when you come in on Sunday, that's your message for the week. That's your time with God. You can't fill your heart with one message on a Sunday. It's not going to happen. It's like eating one day a week, expecting to have energy to get all through the week. It doesn't work. We have to regularly, daily, be taken in the Word of God. Not just on Sunday, that's not enough. You can't live out what you're not taking in. It doesn't happen. We have to open the Bibles. We have to actually get them. And open them up. You say, but I ain't got time to read. I'm too busy. I don't have time to read my Bible. We spend so much time on Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, but we ain't got time to read the Bible a little bit each day. And they make it so easy for us now. They've got these amazing applications that any spare minute that we have, we could pull up on the phone and we can read. But it's more important to check the status of Facebook or to get on and check your email. If you want to change your heart, you will make reading the Bible a priority. You have to. We need to pray. We need to talk to God. 
We need to be quiet, and then we need to listen to God. If He's going to direct us, we've got to know what He wants in our life. It's not just on Sundays when we get together and when we hear a message and we pray together. I start my mornings off praying for the prayer request that you write. That's what I do in the morning. I go through the prayer request. You write it down, I pray for it. And then I take it a step further. I start praying for your marriages. I pray for your spiritual growth. I pray for blessings in your life. Man, I believe without a doubt God honors prayer. For our hearts to be changed. I mean really changed. For our souls to be changed. We need God. We need God. We need our Savior, Jesus Christ, to continually, daily fill us with His grace and with His mercy and with His hope and love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. That's what we need Him to do. You know, the things that we say, the words that we use, they influence other people. They influence, they shape the way our children behave. I always think of the passage of the sins of the generation passed down to the next. It's because our kids are listening to the things that we say. And we're shaping their minds with it. They're watching the way that we act. They're seeing the the example that we're setting. And they want to be just like us. We need to try to just be like Jesus. As Christians, we're in our workplace. And somebody hears you talking. What are they hearing from you? Do they have any idea that you're somebody that goes to church that is letting God change your life and change your heart? Do they know that at all? We influence those people that are around us by what we say, by our actions. We represent Jesus Christ. And our words need to display that. Pastor Chris Barharst, who is a pastor at the church my wife attended before I charmed her and swept her off her feet, brought her here to Muncie. He once said in a sermon, and it's stuck with me ever since. He said, if you were arrested and charged with being a Christian, would they find enough evidence to convict you? You've really got to think about that. When our hearts change, what comes out of our mouths will change and our words will reflect that. Take that tongue depressor you got when you came in. Grab an ink pen. Write James 3.10 on it. Write it right on the side. Because I want you to be able to see it from time to time. I want it to be a little reminder that what we say reflects what's inside of us. James 3.10 Now I want you to hold it up in the air. 
Everybody put it up in the air. We're going to recite the scripture. We're going to recite the memory verse for today together as we're holding these up. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Let's say it again. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Derek is going to lead us in a song about the power of our words. thank you for the opportunity to be able to worship you today. We are thankful to use our mouths to raise our voices and raise your holy name. 
God, thank you for this examination today. Thank you for James teaching us that our words are a reflection of what we have in our hearts. We ask you, God, to come in and remake us from the inside. Transform us. Fill us up. Change our hearts. We desire to be good people, bringing good things out of the goodness stored up in our hearts. And God, I can't help but think of the words of the psalmist who said, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. God, may we meditate on the right things and things that would please you so that our hearts are full of right things. May the words of our mouths be pleasing to you. May the words of our mouths bless you. May the words of our mouths bless and build up others. In Jesus' powerful name, amen.